Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. A bad storm had just passed through Burlington County when Officer Edge Quinn spotted something hovering over Route 130, which runs between Burlington and Bordentown. On June 20th, at approximately 6.40 p.m., I was traveling on Route 563, south of Chatsworth, near the Franklin Parker Reserve Speedwell entrance. I was looking to see what the parking situation there was for future hikes, so my eyes were on the right side of the road. Out of the periphery, I saw what I thought was a groundhog on the left. At least it looked like it. It was very large, 
I realized it would have been huge for one to be like that. So the size I saw was roughly four feet tall, standing on two legs. It reminded me physically of a groundhog. I did not get a good look at the face and I almost continued, but decided to turn around about 150 yards up on a dirt road to the right. I pulled in, turned around and headed back to that location. There is a bend in the road there. It bends around to the right and on the way back, as I made it past the bend, approximately 30 yards in front of me, the creature was still there. It was now fully turned towards me. I could see that it looked like a cross between Curious George and the character Chaka from The Land of the Lost. Its face and hands, as well as the tops of its feet, were hairless and light tan in color. The fur it was covered with was golden brown, a little darker than a golden retriever, very much like the color of a groundhog. I could not see the nose. When I locked eyes with it, I could see just the whites. I stood there for a second or two when I rounded the bend, and then it took off, passing back into the swampy area. It ducked behind a short bush when I drove past it. I could no longer see it. I turned the car around yet again, and when I went by a second time it was gone. I waited there a bit to see if I could see anything moving in the field. I couldn't, so I considered it done and took off. It was a couple of days before I shared the experience with my family and friends. In that period of time, I thought for sure somebody was going to report a missing kid in a Halloween costume. When the thing took off running, it was fast. I would describe it as the fastest kid on the 10-12 baseball team. We had really bad storms that night and my commute was a disaster. It poured all through that area, and I thought it was odd that the thing I saw appeared to be dry, at least its fur was, which would lead me to believe it was under some sort of covering or underground. Of course, there are always skeptics out there suggesting this type of ferocious cryptid is just some innocent child dressed up in a puffy Halloween costume on Hallow's Eve. But why would it be out there, of all places? Or maybe Officer A.J. Quinn simply mistook an actual groundhog for something bipedal. Unfortunately for those skeptics and doubters, A.J. Quinn is a legitimate officer who was on duty at the time of the sighting and has never been known to mislead. Over the years, there have been reports of other sightings in this area of Bordentown, New Jersey, where the creature is said to dwell. So, this guy had been abused as a child by his uncle. When he started talking about him sober, his face would scrunch up. He would talk through his teeth like hissing-like, spitting as he talked. He would only do this sober. When he was high, he didn't care anymore. That was the point of the drugs. One night we were having a hard time getting drugs. We hadn't had any since the day before, so quite sober for the two of us. This is the guy who threw me through a closet door just a few weeks prior. He was violent, yelled, name called. He hurt me a few times pretty good. But I was really messed up back then. It had already gotten to the point where I knew the end was near. It was time for me to get my life together and certainly time for me to get away from that a hole. I was standing on the edge of the cliff, just about to jump. Then that night when he realized no one had any dope, and he wasn't going to get any, he started talking about his uncle. We were sitting in the bed facing the TV at the foot of the bed, so I was turning my head to the right looking at him as he talked. It started calm and quickly escalated into the spitting angry talk. 
He started hitting the bed in front of him with his fist as he raged, and I was terrified to look at him. I stared forward for what seemed like forever. Then for whatever reason I turned to look at him, and I saw exactly as you described. It was like a face over a face, or a face behind a face, and it wasn't human, and it wasn't good. I can't put into words the terror. It consumed my whole body. I've never felt that level of fear, and I hope I never do again. I jumped up from that bed and ran. I had a bicycle sitting outside on the porch. I grabbed that friggin' bike and mounted it in the front yard and pedaled into the street. I could hear him busting through the front door in his footsteps as he started running after me. He yelled at me, I swear to God I'm going to beat the F out of you when I catch you. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he growled as he ran after me. There was that moment when I didn't have the bike going fast yet and was still accelerating, and he almost caught up. Then I reached speed and left him behind. I was praying that my bike chain held on. It liked to fall off if I tried to accelerate too fast. Somehow it didn't fail me. I made arrangements for inpatient rehab that weekend. They had a bed open up the following Monday, and I've been sober ever since. That was May of 2006. I've told the devil face story many times since then. I know what I saw. It was pure evil, and I don't need any more convincing that evil can possess people. He definitely was. I probably was too. The devil loves chaos. And despair, fear, anger, violence, you get the picture. I choose today to distance myself from anything that resembles any of that. Thanks for the reminder. I haven't thought about him for a while. I need to be reminded. The devil is real. And I have a choice where I want to go. If I follow the rules, I get the good stuff. And if I don't, well, I've seen a glimpse of it and no thank you. I decided to try a creek in the Cohutas, North Georgia, where three creeks merged at around 2600, hoping to catch trout or one of the local base species. After driving to the location, spending quite a bit of time on dirt roads to get to there, it is very clear based on the overgrown parking lot and lack of trash or other signs of humans that this was not a frequently used trail. At the start of the trip, that's exactly what I was hoping for. As I begin to head down the trail, it becomes pretty clear the descent is much steeper than I expected from Google Maps. After descending roughly 800 over the stretch of a half mile, I'm already nearing what I think is the end of trout water. But as I mentioned earlier, they have black bay species that live only in this area to target as well. The trail has completely flattened out and parallels the river which has several creeks feeding into from higher elevations, giving me hope the water will be cold enough. For the first two miles the creek is too narrow and shallow for me to even consider trying to fish it. As I make it further in, eventually enough creeks have merged that the water is consistently at least six inches deep. With little pools maybe a foot deep, stream is about six ten feet wide. Once I reached this point, I began to fish the creek anywhere I could feasibly bushwhack to the bank. There weren't many spots I was able to do this. The whole time I'm hiking and fishing, I'm keeping an eye out for any tracks or signs of bear activity, still a little on edge from running into a few the week prior, and knowing that the next person to come along won't just be ten minutes away like last week. Around the five-mile mark, I see my first sign that anything else has ever been out there. 
It's a track, three feet long, four fingers, two pads on the heel, no claws. Another 50 feet, another track. 50 feet past that I come up to a two feet tall game trail that appears to lead to a bedding area for something. I'd assume the track belonged to a bobcat or coyote. No claws makes me think cat, but I'd think it was on the big side for a bobcat. At this point, I hadn't had a bite and decide to head back to the truck. I reach the bottom of the hill to climb back the last stretch. I see a bad sign. The third set of tracks I see all day that are not mine or the ones I previously described belong to a bear. Two tracks. Several trees in the area have also had pieces of bark ripped off. Saplings were ripped up. Now all of the missing bark was facing downhill, so I convinced myself I just wasn't able to see it earlier, and I must have missed the tracks. This is about all I can come up with since that trail up is the only way out. Not even five steps into my ascent, I found the bear. As I was 90 degrees with a bush to my left, it roared and at least in my head, the entire bush shook when he did. I was close enough to touch the bush with my left arm. Unlike previous bear encounters at distance, where I was able to calmly stand my ground and then back off when that didn't work, I completely panicked. My first reaction was to turn my back to the bear and run before realizing what I was doing. As soon as I caught myself, I tuned back towards it, stood tall, arms out, and trying to talk as normally as possible as I retreated back 100 feet. As I'm standing here, I quickly realize I'm at a low spot on all four sides with zero visibility forward, backwards, or to my left two of the three directions I'd assume the bear would come from if it were to advance on me. Moving to my right by about 30 feet puts me on slightly higher ground, but also takes me off the trail and most likely further reduces my visibility. I decide standing right where I was while everything cooled down was not any better or worse than anything else I could do. After waiting 30 minutes on my watch after the initial bear encounter, I have not heard the bear in a while. I decide to test with a rock throw in its direction since I'm getting pretty tired of the calling. The bear very loudly lets me know it is still there. I remember how remote the area is and that I did not see a single track or sign showing human life had ever been on the five miles I walked. Another 30 minutes go by both the fastest and slowest 30 minutes of my life. I repeat the process and it plays out exactly the same way, except five minutes later I hear the bear snort just a little to the left of where it had been. I wait another 20 minutes or so, and now something has changed. I try throwing a rock at the bear again, no reaction. I think I held it together walking past where the bear was, and then ran a two-minute half-mile straight uphill. With only five creek chubs to show for the whole ordeal, I will never be back to that area again. When I was a teenager, a guy was screaming for help in the woods. I still remember I just got home from a friend's. It was around 8 p.m. My parents kept trying to yell back, hello, and we are here, things of that nature. He wouldn't respond. Just intermediate calls for help. When I first heard his scream, I immediately ran and hid in my bedroom. It was a blood-curdling scream. Gives me chills just thinking about it. Filled me with fear just hearing his scream. The next day, everyone searched the woods and found nothing. Nothing was ever in the news. I will never understand. Why didn't he yell back? Where did he come from? 
We lived in the middle of nowhere. No close neighbors. Sometimes I think he was trying to lure us in. He would have seen our lights from our house. The woods was a hill. In May 2021, I took a trip to New Orleans, a city famous for its rich history and tales of the supernatural. We stayed at an Airbnb, a comfortable place that felt welcoming, if not a little old. One night, I woke up abruptly from a deep sleep, my gaze instinctively drawn to the bathroom. A peculiar certainty washed over me, there was someone in the bathroom. I squinted into the semi-darkness, my vision blurred without my glasses. I could discern the shape of a man, standing eerily in the bathtub, his back turned to me. I blinked, rubbed my eyes, but the figure remained. I felt an icy chill run down my spine, but eventually, sleep reclaimed me. On the day of our departure, all of us left the Airbnb, except for one girl from our group who had a later flight. Later, she confided in us about a strange experience she had after we left. She heard the sound of footsteps echoing down the hallway, and then a whisper as soft as the rustling of leaves, slave. Intrigued and disturbed, she researched the history of the area where our Airbnb was located. To her surprise and horror, she discovered that the site was once a bustling slave trading post. The realization struck us all with a sense of dread and melancholy, a ghostly echo from the past intruding into our present. The haunting memories of our stay in that Airbnb lingered long after our trip, a chilling reminder of New Orleans' spectral past. The city, rich with history, had shared with us a glimpse into its dark past, a tale of sorrow and injustice that time had failed to erase. This just happened a few hours ago. I have called and reported it to the police, and I am home safely, but guess I am still in shock. Could do with putting it down in writing to process it, and figured this is as good a place as any to share what happened. I finished work early today and so decided to go out for a run. I set out around 4.30 and decided my usual routes, which cross many roads, will not be very practical and so I took an alternate route along a canal towpath and some pathways through woods that I knew would be less busy. Everything was going well. I was pushing myself steady until I got to a pathway on the way back around six kilometer into the route. It is a long straight path with a canal on the left side, and on their right there is wasteland where some factories used to be, but have mostly been demolished. It has been left abandoned for as long as I can remember and is overgrown with trees and weeds. But there are the odd bits of an old factory that for some reason weren't fully demolished. As I got level with one part of the factory which still had some old metal fire escape steps attached to it, I noticed a rough looking guy sat on the wall with his legs hanging down. He jumped to his feet as he saw me coming and shouted something, but I couldn't make it out. As I came level to where he was, I heard him say, Wait there, can you help me find my phone? He said this while he was running down the steps, and so I stopped as I got level with where the bottom of the steps was, meaning we were standing just a few feet apart, but with a fence in between us. It was a really old iron fence with vertical metal bars that have spikes at the top like you sometimes see around churches and things. He asked me if I would help him find his phone again, saying he had dropped it somewhere nearby, and asked if I could ring his number so he could listen for it. I felt I couldn't exactly refuse as my phone was strapped to my arm, so I said he could tell me the number, 
and I took my phone off my arm and unlocked it. He blurted out a phone number, but said it far too fast, and it didn't begin with 07 which made me start to feel like something wasn't right. Although I was beginning to suspect at this point I wasn't really worried, I am in pretty good shape, had a big size and weight advantage over him plus there was a fence between us. He didn't seem in very good physical shape and seemed like he might be homeless. I figured if he was trying to mug me for my phone his only chance would be if he pulled a knife so I made sure to stay a good distance away from the fence and kept my eye on where his hands were. So I told him I didn't catch any of the numbers because he said it too quickly. And he came out with another number this time it did have 07 at the beginning. I entered seven numbers and then he started to look around and saying, I can hear it, come and help me look, as he looked around at the ground. I was about to say that I hadn't even finished dialing when a much larger black guy appeared from behind a section of wall to my right. He was also really scruffy looking, and from the look of his eyes, it seemed like he was on drugs. He came out saying he could hear the phone ringing over towards him and beckoned me to come through a gap in the fence and help look. The white guy then said, it is ringing, yeah. And I told him it was even though I still hadn't dialed the last digits, and now I was sure they were trying to lure me to come over to that side of the fence. After two or three times of them both beckoning me to come and help, always insisting they could hear the ring, I heard the black guy say, he's not going to fall for it. He said it in a hushed way as if he thought I wouldn't hear, but with it being out in the middle of nowhere, I could clearly understand what he said. The white guy then started acting quite aggressive and punched a tree telling me he needed the phone badly and how his whole life was on the phone telling me to come and help them look for it. While he was punching the tree and ranting the black guy had taken a few steps away to the right meaning I couldn't keep my eyes on both at the same time. It was after 5 p.m. by this point and had gotten dark all of a sudden which made the whole thing even more unsettling. I noticed there was a gap in the fence where some of the bars had been removed right where the black guy was heading, and I decided at that point to get the hell out of there and made a run for it. Neither of them said anything as I ran away, which makes me sure that they had malicious intentions. If they genuinely lost their phone and needed help, I would expect them to shout, where are you going? Or something to try and get me to come back, but they didn't shout anything. After sprinting for a good 20-30 seconds, I turned to see if they were chasing me. They were both stood on the path around where the gap in the fence had been, but were not chasing me. They were just standing there watching me run away. I continued running away, but kept looking back every few seconds until I was out of sight. It was at this point I got off the canal path and onto the roads. The person I spoke to on the phone to report it took my details and the descriptions, but seemed to think it wasn't anything worth worrying about, but said it will be investigated. The whole incident has left me a bit unnerved, and I am pretty sure I won't be jogging that route alone anytime soon. Sir, my name is Megan. I am forwarding a summary of an experience that I and a friend had in August 2010. My friend and associate Kyra and I traveled from Columbus, Ohio to Ravenswood, West Virginia on business. While we were there, I wanted to make a side trip to Gallipolis, Ohio to visit relatives I had not seen for quite a while. After our meeting and presentation, we drove onto Ohio Route 7 and traveled south along the Ohio River towards Gallipolis. 
We had a nice, though brief, visit with my relatives. Around 6 p.m., we left their home and drove a few miles north on route. 7 to check into a hotel near the local airport. Around 7.30 p.m., we decided to get dinner and found a quiet restaurant so we could eat and work. After we finished, Kyra needed to go to the store and pick up a few items that she forgot to pack. We headed to a Walmart that was nearby the restaurant. After we finished shopping, we were walking to the car when I noticed a woman running through the parking lot. When she reached her car, she looked back in the direction of the store and then hurriedly got into the car. I quickly looked in the same direction and saw what looked like a large bird flying above the roof of the store. It was difficult to see, but when it swooped downward the parking lot lights would shine off of it. It looked like it was either oily or had shiny leather-like skin. Whatever it was, it had a wide wing span. I would guess it reached 8-10 feet across. It circled above the store for about a minute, then just disappeared. We were both somewhat shocked at what we witnessed, but figured that it was just a huge bird. Since it was dark, I figured we had misjudged what it really was. We drove back to the hotel and decided to call it a night so we could get an early start on the drive home in the morning. I got ready for bed, but thought I'd watch some television first. By this time, it was around 10 p.m. or so. I must have dozed off fairly quickly because the next thing I remember is frantic knocking on my door. I stumbled out of bed and checked who it was. It was Kyra, and she was obviously upset. She rushed into my room and said, It's here. What are you talking about? A little bit perturbed that she woke me up. She said that she was laying on the bed reading when she heard something in the hallway. She got out of bed, walked to the door, and listened to what she thought were scratching sounds. After a few minutes, the sound stopped, so she went back to bed. Not long after she lay down, she heard more scratching sounds, but from outside her window. Again, she got up and peeked through the curtains. This time, something looked back at her. Our rooms were on the second floor in the back section of the hotel, and both looked out onto a small parking lot and a large field beyond that. She could see what she described as a bald, ugly man with wings, who was looking directly at her with large, bulging eyes that lit up bright red. It was there for only a few seconds. It then spread its wings while running at the same time toward the end of the parking lot and lifted off the ground like a bird. You're kidding, right? I muttered to her. Meg, I swear to God the thing is out there and it knows we saw it. I knew the only way I was going to get some sleep was to allow Kyra to stay in my room. The next morning we woke early, checked out, and drove back to Columbus. Kyra didn't mention the incident from the previous night during the ride. In fact, she has still never said anything else about it. We continue to be good friends and have a very good working relationship. But I got curious. I had never heard about the Mothman or any of the tales associated with it. I grew up in Texas and had only lived in Ohio for a few years. I moved into my mom's house after she had passed away. Her relatives lived throughout Ohio, but I had never been told any of the stories. This is the reason I am writing to you. We were near Point Pleasant, WV, when we had this encounter. Do you think that it is possible that this was a Mothman? I read some of your posts recently, and I'm starting to believe that Kyra actually saw something supernatural. In light of the prophecies of danger that this thing is supposed to warn people about, 
Kyra has had some bad luck and tragedy since that day. Her husband suddenly left her. She had a fire in her house, and she severely injured her leg in a fall. Could this be connected? I personally don't believe in predictions, either good or bad. But I will admit that these have been strange times since we witnessed whatever. I have been visited by otherworldly beings since 1974. I've had missing time many times over the past 48 years and have been abducted countless times. I did have one experience in 1999 that I had reoccurring dreams, a night that happened at my home in northern Wisconsin. I remember being taken from my bed, being led into my living room. I remember seeing things around me. I was shown a young girl 12 years old or so. I remember knowing that I was the child's father. I remember being so angry that I was used over years to create this abomination. I had, for as long as I can remember, maybe 25 years, kept a gun in my bed under my pillow. I had it in my hand. I remember being so angry that I was able to pull free, and I shot and killed the girl. I am a law enforcement officer. Since that day, I put it away, and I have trouble handling it. After shooting the girl, I remember being punished. I have had lumps in my arms that hurt and remain today. Each time that they come, they find different ways to make me suffer. All this time I hesitate to tell anyone else about any of my sightings, but I did report my story to MUFON. They called me and made me feel like a criminal. So last year around November-September, I was driving home late at night, 2 or 3 a.m. from my buddy, who lived on the other side of the city with my bike. I was stoned as F when I was leaving me and my buddy smoked a lot that evening. I had two routes in my head that time that get me home. One was 13 kilometers long trough of forest. The other was a much longer route trough the city around the forest. For info, I live in Hanover, Germany. The city is pretty much built around these big forests. I decided to go for the forest route, which was already a bad choice since I didn't have any lights on my mountain bike and the forest is very dark at night. But I've been driving this route often since the other route is just waste of time was an easy decision for me back then since I'm a two meters tall male and was armed with a knife. So in rolling into the forest and my route trough, it was this asphalted track for inline skaters and bikers. It goes all the way trough. I'm pulling out my cell phone to activate the camera light since this was my only light source. I had and realized I forgot to charge the phone at my buddy's house. So my phone has this option when it's below 5% battery level you can only activate the camera light for a few seconds till it turns off automatically and you need to turn it on again. Needless to say, it was quite stressful to drive like that. Always the light turning on and off. It rained that night too, but not much. More like foggy fine rain. I don't know what it's called in English, but we call it in German Niesel. Cause of that, I only could see what was close in front of me like 10 or 15 meters view only. Three, four kilometers in, the track takes a sharp curve. After I was taking it, I would see a white figure standing next to the road. It was dark as F late and M literally in the middle of the forest. I was thinking about returning, but I decided in a matter of seconds to keep going since I had a lot speed on. I was rushing trough the forest. When I spotted the figure, I couldn't see much since I was like 20 meter away, 
but in seconds when I came closer I could see that it was a man in white jacket, just standing there in darkness. Like I said, my phone was keep putting out the light, so I would have seen it if he had a light when my phone's light was off. So I'm going full speed towards that creepy guy standing next to the road. I was about five meter now from him, and he was just standing there motionless, like not even turning his head. Light goes out. Four meter now. Three. Two. I put the light back on and bypass him. I see him in the face. He was the most unhygienic looking man I've ever seen. Full nasty beard like a homeless guy just staring at the track. It was this moment I would feel a heavy rumble under my tires. I almost crashed. The track where the man stood was full off sticks and branches, like a barricade. I think my mountain bike tires were saving my ass that day. Needless to say, I have bike lights now and don't take that route at night anymore. I believe that a lot of people get signs before something really bad is going to happen. Two nights ago, I woke up screaming from a very lucid, horrible dream, where in the woods outside my house, I heard someone in pain calling for help. I go to them and find a naked humanoid deer creature that turned on me. I believe that thing was a skinwalker. Then last night around 3 a.m. I heard and felt what sounded like something very large hitting the side of my house. Very clearly I could tell it was happening in the area outside of my kitchen and either next to or below my kitchen window. I was in my living room sitting on the couch where there is even a wall between the living room and kitchen. But this sound was so loud it could be heard throughout the whole house. And while I was already awake, the sound scared my cats, also woke up my sleeping daughter and partner. I could feel the wall behind me and the floor vibrate, along with the dishes and kitchen cupboards rattling around from the impact. This happened at least twice, I'm certain, maybe once more, but after the second time I was so scared I ran to check on my family. There was about a 10 second pause between the sounds. After the dream I had I haven't been able to sleep in fear plus, the loud noises are keeping me up too. Made sure to lock everything just in case. I'm wondering if the events are connected at all. If anyone can give me tips or help ease my mind I'd appreciate it. The other day I was driving home, and as I came around a curve there was an animal that I thought was a goat at first. It ran away from me and got far enough away that I couldn't see it in my headlights, and it ran across the road and hid behind a bush. It was smart enough to pivot around the bush as I drove by it. It was extremely pale and looked like a camel shape. It moved like a Chinese dragon and looked like it was made out of a bedsheet. If y'all have any questions, please ask. I'm seriously trying to figure out what I saw natural or supernatural. Don't know if this helps, but I'm from North Carolina, and this all happened next to a cow pasture. Wasn't a cow because they only have brown cows, no white ones. And I grew up around cows. They don't move look like that. It was probably about four to five feet tall and about six or feet long. It was a pretty big animal. I am a female 22. I am petite, really pale, and always messy hair. I was wearing loosened clothes, all white maybe you will guess where I am heading to I was outside smoking, while sitting on a chair in my front yard. I forgot to mention an essential detail, I live in the countryside, 
My street leads to fields and forests. The night here hits differently, if you know what I mean. The sky offers some great masterpieces freely to our starry eyes. So yes, I was just hyper-focusing on the sky. I just stood up and decided to take a picture. I wanted to reproduce it through painting. However, I was really disappointed by my lame camera. So I decided to head out inside to grab one of my parents' phones since their quality were better. While I was trying to take some pics, I felt a gaze on me. It was my new neighbor. She was staring at me. I was in my front garden just in front of her house. I was waiting since in my front yard there is an automatic light. It flashes at any movement and lasts for like 20 seconds. Important element. So I was only visible for a few moments. It was pitch dark again. There are no street lights where I live, so I was relieved to feel invisible. As I was finally taking mesmerized pictures, out of the blue, the flash of the phone I was holding started to light up. The moon was right on the left side of her house, yet it looked like I was taking photos of her house. I heard her screaming, I put my hand on the flashlight, turned it off. I was petrified, I didn't know which option was the best. A. Fleeing right away in my house, so reactivated the flash, looking suspicious B. Confronted her also talking to her for the first time and explaining the whole situation because I scared her quite often. I will explain after the other option. C. Just disappearing in the dark and waiting. Okay, so I am a night owl and I love art. It is not unusual to see me outside standing right in front of my house or in the middle of the driveway past midnight, taking pictures, smoking, or just contemplating. So I spooked her multiple times. I know because she said that I was the weird neighbor to someone. One day I was playing in the front yard, playing with my cat with a red light laser, obviously late at night. I accidentally lighted my laser towards one of her windows, so a flashy red light point was visible. I heard her screaming, lighted up the room. I turned it off and I glanced at her. She was looking at me and shut the curtains. Back to the story, I decided to not move and wait. Then I was like, I should still continue taking pics. I heard loud voices, the front door opened. I heard them walking slowly towards their car and whispering. What was I supposed to do? I just took a last pic and headed to my house. As the flash went on, I was petting my cat. I heard her saying, again, this weird chick. As soon as I closed the door, I laughed out loud. Nervous reaction. Surely I should find a way to talk to her reassuring her that I am inoffensive or just remaining the weird neighbor. The Adirondack woods had always held a certain mystique for me. Towering trees, hidden trails, and an air of quiet isolation made it the perfect destination for my hiking adventures. One brisk autumn morning, armed with my backpack, hiking boots, and a sense of curiosity, I ventured deep into the heart of the Adirondacks, ready to explore a trail less traveled. The path I had chosen was overgrown, its markers faded and barely visible. But that only fueled my excitement. The idea of being alone in the wilderness, far away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life, was exactly what I needed. The tranquility of the woods wrapped around me like a comforting blanket as I hiked deeper and deeper into the forest. Hours passed as I walked in solitude, the only sounds being the rustle of leaves beneath my feet and the occasional distant call of a bird. 
The sun filtered through the thick canopy above, casting dappled shadows on the forest floor. I was in my element, disconnected from the world and at peace. It was as I rounded a bend in the trail that I saw a strange, elongated shape partially hidden behind a cluster of rocks and underbrush. My curiosity got the better of me, and I cautiously approached the mysterious object. As I got closer, my heart raced with a mix of fear and intrigue. What I discovered sent a shiver down my spine. It was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. Its body was a tangled mess of sinew and dark fur, its limbs unnaturally long and twisted. Its eyes were a piercing, unnatural shade of blue, and they bore into me with a sense of malevolence that chilled me to the bone. It was hunched over, gnarled claws digging into the ground, and I could feel the air grow heavy with its presence. In that moment, a feeling of dread washed over me. The cryptid, whatever it was, radiated danger. Instincts screamed at me to retreat, to turn and run as fast as I could. But fear kept me rooted to the spot, unable to tear my gaze away from those eerie blue eyes. As if sensing my fear, the creature let out a low, guttural growl that reverberated through the air. Every fiber of my being screamed at me to flee, and finally I listened. I turned and sprinted back down the trail, heart pounding in my chest, adrenaline surging through my veins. Behind me, I could hear the creature's growls growing louder, the sound of its pursuit echoing in my ears. Panic fueled my speed as I dodged branches and leapt over fallen logs. It was like a nightmare come to life, and I pushed my body to its limits, desperate to escape the clutches of whatever pursued me. Time seemed to blur as I ran, my breath coming in ragged gasps. I dared not glance back, my mind consumed by the single thought of survival. And then, suddenly, I burst through the trees and stumbled onto a more familiar part of the trail. I could see the parking area in the distance, and a renewed surge of energy pushed me forward. With every ounce of strength left in me, I sprinted towards my car, my heart pounding like a drum in my chest. I flung open the door, jumped inside, and slammed it shut just as the creature's snarls reached a crescendo. My hands shook as I fumbled for the keys and started the engine. As I pulled away from the trailhead, I stole a glance in the rearview mirror. The creature stood at the edge of the woods, its blue eyes burning with a mix of frustration and hunger. It watched me for a moment before disappearing back into the shadows of the forest. I drove away, my mind racing with the surreal events that had just unfolded. The adrenaline began to subside, leaving me with a mixture of relief and disbelief. I had encountered something beyond explanation, something that defied the boundaries of the known world. And as I left the Adirondacks behind, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had narrowly escaped a fate that I might never fully comprehend. In 2001, I was on the Navajo Reservation, where I had a mysterious encounter with a humanoid figure that bore a striking resemblance to the infamous Mothman. I, Jerry Garcia, was on duty with my partner when we spotted a white, human-like figure perched atop a mesa rock near Shiprock, New Mexico. The beam of our flashlight illuminated its skull-shaped head and enormous, glowing eyes. Its jaw was shrouded in long, white hairs. The figure towered at eight feet tall, with a wingspan of nearly twelve feet. As it launched itself into the sky, it took about three steps, gave a single flap of its wings, 
and soared over the horizon at a speed exceeding 80 miles per hour. I have to ask myself, what was this creature? Could it be another sighting of the Mothman or something entirely different? The Navajo, one of the most recognized tribes in us history, inhabit these lands. Is it possible that our territories are home to a host of unknown, terrifying creatures that not only dwell in the forests, but also in the remote regions? I invite you to share your thoughts on this incident below. Growing up, my parents filled my childhood with stories from their homeland Jalisco, especially my father who would recount tales about his haunted childhood ranch. But it was a story from my maternal grandfather that sent shivers down my spine. You need to understand that my grandfather was quite the character in the 1920s and 30s. He was a renowned womanizer and had a reputation for being a bit too fond of his drink. One story he told involved a night filled with drinking and gambling. He was returning home, riding his horse under the cover of the midnight sky after a particularly indulgent evening. That's when he saw her a woman bathing in a nearby stream, stark naked. The sight was alluring, to say the least. She had her back to him, and her long, dark hair cascaded down her back, covering her like a veil. Inebriated and emboldened, my grandfather approached her, reaching out to grab her hair. But as he did, she turned around, and what he saw sobered him up immediately. Instead of a woman's face, he was met with the terrifying sight of a dog's face, complete with glowing red eyes. The fear that gripped him was palpable, and without a second thought, he spurred his horse into a gallop, racing back home as fast as he could. He later told me that he had never been so scared in his life. Over the years, I've heard two other people recount eerily similar tales about their relatives encountering a mysterious, beautiful woman bathing alone at night. It was always the same, the woman's back to them, her naked form seeming to lure them in, only to reveal a horrifying truth. It was only later that I discovered that these encounters were not unique. In fact, this creature had a name La Sihuanaba, a legend known to frighten many who heard her tale. Her story, like my grandfather's, serves as a chilling reminder of the mysteries and dangers that lurk in the shadows of the night. I grew up in an almost 100-year-old house and had gone back home after graduating college. One night I woke up to a dark figure next to my bed. I wasn't even scared because I immediately thought it was either one of my parents or my little brother waking me up for some reason. It was dark, but it sort of looked like they were pointing toward my bedroom windows. But anyways, I was like, brother, no reply. Mom, no reply. At that point, I was creeped out, but thought someone may have slept walked into my room. A couple of my family members sometimes sleepwalk, which has always scared me anyway, so I reached out my hand to nudge them awake. And that was when I realized there wasn't actually a human person there. It was so shocking and terrifying I actually screamed really loud, stumbled out of bed, ran out of my room as fast as I could, woke my little brother up and told him. It was a feeling of terror I hadn't ever experienced before and haven't since. And because I spent a good chunk of time trying to figure out which family member it was and generally not even being freaked out, I was convinced that it wasn't just me still half dreaming or something. This was 11 years ago and with time I've convinced myself it was some kind of hallucination. But whatever it was, I will absolutely never forget it. <laughs>
As backstory, my parents told us that when they bought the house in 1995, the previous owners told them straight up that there were angels, friendly ghosts was what they were suggesting who lived in the house, notably on the third floor, two bedrooms. My sighting was on the second floor, but both of my siblings whose rooms were on the third floor had had multiple experiences, and even my dad, who is one of the most rational people I have ever met in my life, says he's 100% seen figures out of the corner of his eyes and heard weird shit. However, I had lived in the house since I was five, and up until this point I never had had any experience, so I just thought it was all bullshit until then. A couple days later, my uncle came into town for my graduation party and stayed in one of the now vacant bedrooms on the third floor, and maintains to this day that the bedroom door shut on its own, and something was physically holding it shut so he couldn't get out. Crazy shit, man. A couple years later, I had two separate terrifying experiences while dog-sitting for a neighbor on our block, but I didn't actually see anything. Coincidentally, one of my friends from grade school had lived in that house a long time beforehand, and I remembered him having told stories when we were kids that his oldest sister had done some creepy ghost sighting s when she was really little. There was a specific story about his mom giving her a bath, and she wouldn't stop staring at the ceiling upward. His mom asked her what she was staring at, and she said, the lady. His mom grabbed her and straight up ran out of the house. Anyways, I remembered that family had lived there, but honestly hadn't even thought about the ghost stories when I started dog-sitting. The first experience I had been out of the house came back, and their dog wasn't at the door. She started barking as soon as she heard me come in, and it was coming from upstairs. I went up and she was trapped in the master bathroom. It was one of those old-school bathrooms with two entrances, one from the hallway and one from the master bed, and both doors were closed. Obviously, I hadn't left her up there or anywhere near there. It was weird and super creepy. Maybe a night or two later, I woke up in the middle of the night to voices and was obviously absolutely terrified, like fully frozen for a while, until I realized it was a speaker went into the master bedroom, and there was just a speaker on, playing shit. Even though I was supposed to sleep there and house sit the whole time they were out of town, I went home immediately after that and only came back during the day for the rest of the time they were out of town.